0: It's a medium, and what you do with it Determines its value.
1: With radio's viability in question as of late, we welcome Trey Morris of the Center for Sales Strategy to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, to talk about the latest CSS media sales report. Among other hot button issues we tackle are striking the right hybrid work balance, selling in what's agreed is the hardest ever climate to get that first appointment, and we discuss making radio cool again.
0: Hi, my name is Trey Morris, and I am a vice president and senior consultant for the Center of Sales Strategy. I am a radio kid. I got my start in the business when I was in high school here in Dallas, Texas, and uh, it has been something that I've always loved and wanted to, to be a part of really most of my life, I, uh, I interned as a high school kid for a, an adult-oriented rock station in Dallas called Q102, where I was a gopher and I cleaned out prize closets and got the afternoon guy, red beard, uh, v 8 and pimento cheese sandwiches. So yes, I did have a glamorous start in the world of radio. From there, I was a on-air guy uh, working in Waco, Texas when I was in college at Baylor. Did that for four years, loved every second of it, but I knew that I was never going to be good enough to uh, to hit the big times. And so uh, I noticed that all the salespeople drove really nice cars like BMWs and Mercedes. And I was like, wait a second, I want to be that. And so um uh, Got into radio sales right after graduating from Baylor in 1993. Uh, Worked for a legendary station here in Dallas called KVIL. Um, The morning guy was a man named Ron Chapman, who was a legendary figure here in the States that uh, had a 30 and 40 share in Dallas, Texas in in the 80s and 90s. Absolutely legend in the business. In fact, when Paul Harvey passed away, he replaced Paul Harvey for a while. From there, I, I sold for stations in Dallas like KLTY, which is a big contemporary Christian music station, was there for a few years, worked for Susquehanna Radio here in Dallas as a sales manager, which if you know anything about Susquehanna Radio, Susquehanna, I believe, was probably the greatest radio company to ever exist. Sadly, they no longer exist, as do many of the great radio companies of the day. From there, I, uh, I moved to Chicago, Illinois, because I really wanted cold weather. No, I I went because I had an opportunity to run um, a station for Salem Media. Did that for a couple of years. They didn't like me. I didn't like them. So after a couple of years, we parted ways and uh, I, I went to the dark side. I started an advertising agency. I ran a boutique agency in Chicago for six years and it was absolutely a blast being a client and being an agency and really partnering with clients. I loved that. It was so much fun. Plus, I got a lot of really cool uh, concert tickets and sporting events tickets and people wined and dined me. And so that was super fun. I loved that. But in 2008, the economy killed me. We specialized, my agency did with home builders and condo developers and apartments and Well, in 2008 here in the States, uh, those businesses all went out of business. And so at that point, um, I closed that down and I went back to my first love, which was radio. And I worked for um, a station in Chicago. Uh, At the time, it was owned by Bonneville. Bonneville sold to Hubbard. So I worked for Bonneville and Hubbard, both really, really great uh, privately owned companies that were great. I enjoyed that time. You know, selling selling wasn't that hard for me. I, I'm I'm pretty good at it, and so it actually gave me a lot of free time, and it allowed me to do some other things. And so one of the things that I did in 2010 is that I opened up a uh, barbecue restaurant in the suburbs of Chicago, because I am a uh, husky Texan who loves barbecue, and I could not find any good barbecue in Illinois or in Chicago, so I. Kind of did it on a whim with a couple of friends, and it went really well. And before you knew it, we had five locations, and they all did really well. We we even won Michelin star awards, not the fancy star, the the uh, more general uh, restaurant, the Bib Gourmand, which sounds really fancy, but it's not. And uh, it's those are still running today. I've I have I have three of them um, in Chicagoland. Those do really well, and. That was all while I was selling radio in Chicago. And then and then I took a real hard left turn, or probably a right turn. And I went to go work for um my church in Chicago, where I was the executive producer for a radio and television ministry. Yeah, I know. It's a little crazy. Um, I got convinced to do it. It was really fun because I was able to do things that I'd never done before, like I built a TV studio, and I hired a production team, and we shot six half-hour TV programs and radio programs every single week, and they aired on TV networks around the world and radio stations around the world, and at one time, we had over 4 million people watching or listening our radio and TV program, and I did that for a couple years nearly killed me. I was working like 100 hours a week. And so decided it was time to do something else and decided it was time to move back to Texas, which is where my family is. And so I came down here and I was the chief marketing officer for a big uh, financial and insurance company um, called the Banker Group. And uh, then the opportunity to come and work at CSS happened. And I had been a client of CSS 20, well, now it's been 20 Seven years. Gosh, you know, I started when I was two. Did I forget to tell you all that? I'm very young. Um, No. So 27 years ago, I hired CSS to be my consultant when I was running stations for Susquehanna here in Dallas. And they changed my career. They changed my sales staff's career. We saw tremendous success using the CSS system. And so the opportunity to come and be a consultant for CSS and work with amazing radio stations around the country and in other other nations. Like I have several clients in Canada. And, and it's been honestly the best job that I've ever had. I absolutely love it. I've been there now almost eight years. I love it. I love working with radio and television people primarily the radio people. Because like I said, if you cut me, I bleed, you know, average quarter hour. I bleed frequency. I bleed sweepers, right? I am a radio guy and I love that. And so getting to work with some of the best radio groups in the US and in Canada has become, it's been a dream, a dream come true for me. And I, I get to really partner with my clients. I work with them really closely. I travel to their stations. I do training. I do coaching. I do workshops. And I love seeing salespeople and sales managers, really that light bulb that clicks on when they get why CSS works so well. And I just love that. it's really, It really is my dream job. I love it. We're going to talk quite a bit
1: about the annual media sales report that CSS puts out every year. This is your fifth study. Do you want to talk about how that comes together, what the parameters are?
0: Yeah, so it is something that we came up with, like I said, about five years ago, when we realized that there are so many issues that are facing broadcasters today, especially from the sales perspective, that we don't really know what's going on. Like everything is so siloed. And yeah, there are wonderful publications like yours that 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 help with sharing that information, but we wanted to like, leverage all of these sales managers and sales people that we work with to really get a pulse for what's happening in the industry and so i mean we work with over a thousand radio stations and a probably three or four hundred television stations and bunches of newspapers and so we wanted to to leverage that and so every year we come up with the, the questions that we think are most important that are impacting and facing Sales managers and sales people in the media industry, and we use um, all of our contacts. We send out emails. We use social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it today, and we are encouraging people to do that. And so we get anywhere from you know 500 to 1500 people that fill out the survey that give us their understanding their thoughts on what is impacting their stations, their jobs, their people, and it gives us better insight of how we can serve the broadcast industry, the media industry, so that we are doing everything we can to improve and grow radio and television. This year's report starts out with a
1: few hot takes, including that managers and sales staff are actually closer together on some issues than they were in the previous year's report, including hybrid work, which is a hot topic in a lot of companies. Should we start there, Trey? 94% of salespeople want a hybrid work schedule.
0: Yes, they do. It's fascinating to me how much... Our world has changed in four years. That pre-pandemic, nobody was working hybrid. Nobody was working remotely in our industries. I mean, we are an industry that you showed up at the office at 8.30, you stayed until 5.30, you commuted into the office, you drove to every meeting you had. I mean, you, we, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't. I mean, we had it, but nobody used it, at least nobody in, in the sales world. Um, teams, I don't think teams existed back then. And, and now, today, we have a significant number of salespeople that would like to be 100% remote. In fact, I, I believe 21% of salespeople that we surveyed would like to be remote 100% of the time. That is a shocking shift. Thankfully, sales managers, though not as on board with remote and hybrid selling, um, have gotten on it because they realize that that's what their salespeople want. And it's good to encourage that culture. We want salespeople to be happy. We need it to be a recruiting tool. And so they're open to it. And I I would say that of the clients that I work with, um, Connie, that... The vast majority are in the office two to three days a week and the rest of the time is remote and it seems to be working. It seems to be working. I personally think three days a week is the number that I would go with because I think there's a lot of things that get done when you're just in the office together. It's that water cooler talk. It's the meeting after the meeting. It's the conversation after the conversation. It's the, hey, let's go grab a sandwich let's do a brainstorm that you get to have when you're with human beings face to face, that you don't get in the team or Zoom world. Not that there's anything wrong with team or Zoom, but when you end a meeting on Zoom, you just end the meeting. There isn't any chit chat afterwards or before. And so I think we're, we've lost that opportunity, but I think the hybrid is a good way to make it work. Could the hybrid
1: work model solve some recruitment issues according to the report, recruitment
0: might be less of a challenge than it has been. Yeah, I I mean, because I think that there's a lot of people, I mean, I I hear it from clients all the time that say, I have people that want 100% remote working. And if we offered that, I think I could get this salesperson, this really experienced or highly talented salesperson. And so I think the companies that are willing to be flexible on that Do have an advantage in recruitment, and so yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody. In fact, well, you know, eleven percent of salespeople said they would want to work in the office one hundred percent of the time. Means eighty nine percent of the people want some version of hybrid or remote, and so if you're able to offer that, you definitely have an advantage over the companies that are unwilling to do that.
1: What happens to talent development in that hybrid
0: work environment? It's a lot harder. Working remotely is great for the individual who is experienced, that is organized, and has great routines. If you don't have that, you can struggle. And so one of the issues we've seen is that new employees don't have that routine. They don't know the culture. They don't know the systems. And so they struggle initially if you don't have a really strong onboarding system. And so usually the clients that I work with, when they have new hires, new salespeople, they will have that person come into the office every day or three days a week um, for the first month or so, so that they get to know them, they can set up systems for them they can train them they get to know their coworkers um, they get to shadow their co-workers and so that helps them with the onboarding experience if you don't have that and you're unable to do that like if you I have clients that you know might be in San Francisco and they've hired salespeople in San Diego well obviously the San Diego salesperson can't be in the office three days a week so it has to be remote, and so they have to be really intentional in setting up systems and processes to make sure that those new salespeople, those new hires, really understand what they're doing.
1: 76% of sales managers say less than 40% of their team are superstars. That That's a bit of a discouraging finding. What's that stat from the report rooted in? Um, It's
0: rooted in that we don't hire very well. You know, a lot of companies don't rely on a talent assessment when they hire. They hire in the old school way of I'm selecting people that are experienced, that have been successful in other stations and maybe other markets, and they are hoping and praying that when they come to their station, that translates. But the reality is, is that, and this is, this is almost heresy to say, um, but advertising salespeople and advertising sales managers often confuse success with talent. And the reason that we do that is that if you are successful, it doesn't necessarily mean you're talented. Because if you're at the right station with the right list at the right time, you can be really, really successful in spite of your lack of ability. Because you've got the right list and you've got the right station. So when you take that person out of that perfect scenario and you bring them to your station and they don't have the right list, and maybe they don't have the best station, they have to rely on their talent. If they're not talented, they're not going to do well. And so too many times, sales managers have made bad hires based on those facts, and they get to their situation, and it doesn't translate. And so, yeah, that's why you see 76% of sales managers don't consider their team to be superstars because they hired poorly. And... The reality is, is because especially in legacy media, we are not getting a lot of applicants, especially young applicants that want to sell radio and TV because radio and TV are not seen as cool. They want to go work for Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Reels and Google and YouTube and insert whatever latest technology there is because that's seen as being cooler. And so that's really important to them. What you see with that is that we can't hire the best people. And so we don't have strong talent banks. We don't have a lot of different choices. And so we end up making bad hires because we assume that anyone is better than no one. And sadly, that is not often the case.
1: That was a lot for me to take in. Can radio be cool again? Do you think that's possible, Trey?
0: I think it is, but I'm an old man. You know, <laughs> I still listen to the radio. I know I'm crazy. I like radio. Can it be cool? Yes. Because here's the thing. In this new world order that we're in, everybody is on the same level playing field because of the way we're able to distribute content. Radio stations can have podcasts. Radio stations can have TV programs. Radio stations can have printed articles. TV stations can do podcasts and radio shows. Like we all are doing the same content it's just the delivery of that content is going through a different channel. And so a radio station that is aggressive and creative and willing to go beyond the, we, we play music, we do talk, we broadcast over the air and do something different has the potential of being hip and cool. And we are able to leverage these other technologies We can use TikTok. We can use Instagram. We can use Facebook. We can use X. And and it's all about the content. So if you're creative, you have great content, you can become hip and cool. The question is, are we going to do it? And are we going to take the risk and the investment to do that? Another stat that stood out for me that I think is
1: very relevant to that is very few managers and salespeople think that their station marketing plan quote rocks six percent that's a very dismal number
0: yeah um, because they don't most radio and TV stations don't really market themselves they don't they're not aggressive they do not have inbound marketing programs they do not have creative ways to get in front of potential listeners viewers and clients because we haven't had to i mean why would a radio station need to advertise they are the radio people come to us to advertise we just need to broadcast right tv stations are this were the same way except during sweeps and then they would advertise specific shows, but they weren't advertising the television station. They didn't feel like we needed to do that anymore. And so we are, have been very complacent. We don't have websites that represent who we are and what we do. TV stations are probably a little bit better at it. Radio stations are horrible at it. Most radio station websites are awful. Like, they're not good content for listeners, and they're not good content for advertisers. I don't know who they're good content for, but I have never found one that I liked.
1: Achieving organizational goals is 81% harder than it was last year, according
0: to sales managers. Can you talk about that finding? You know, what that, what that says is that it's, uh, their jobs are just harder. Things are more complicated. Budgets have been raised, the economy has slowed, Um, it's harder to connect with advertisers to get meetings, Um, it's harder for um, salespeople to get agreements on proposals because business owners are tentative, if not scared about what's going to happen over the next year. And so they don't want to spend the money. They don't want to make the decision. I tell salespeople all the time that you have to remember, nobody ever got fired for not changing. People get fired for changing and failing all the time. And so you have to understand when you're dealing with these prospects, with these business owners, with these advertisers, they would rather be conservative and not try something new, not spend money, than to risk it and fail and their business fail or they lose their jobs. And so if you're going to be successful, you are going to have to really focus on providing solutions that help your advertisers achieve their goals. And if you can do that, you will Sell a lot of new business, you will help a lot of businesses succeed, and you will have a fantastic year. I know you're using AI Trey.
1: How many salespeople are maximizing use of artificial intelligence
0: tools so far? Seven, seven people. <laughs> yeah, I counted. Um no you're 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 right. I mean, AI is something that we're all talking about it. Every time I'm in front of a group of salespeople, I ask about AI, I would say half of the people have tried it, which is sad because it should be everyone. Of the half that are trying it, I would say maybe 10 to 20% are effectively using it. And the reason that they're, they're having difficulty is really three reasons. One, it's new. They don't understand it. They're a little scared of it. The reality is that most salespeople in radio and TV are older. And so new technology is a little scary to them. Uh, Number two, a lot of these big companies have put regulations on what AI they can use. And so most of them have said you can't use ChatGPT on business computers, which I don't quite understand, but that's the rule. We have our own... AI chatbot that CSS has created that lives on our website for our clients that is not connected to the internet. And so all of our clients can use it. They can put um, their intellectual property in there and they don't have to worry about it being downloaded into the collective of AI knowledge. And so most of the companies we work with are allowed to use ours. I'm starting to see that companies are allowing salespeople to use Copilot because Copilot is owned by Microsoft. They already have the Microsoft products on their computers and Copilot is being built into Word and into um, Edge and into PowerPoint. And so they're more comfortable with that. And the third reason is that they don't know how to write prompts. And the key to a successful use of AI is writing really detailed, really specific, really thought, well-thought-out prompts so that you get the best results possible. But if you do it well, it can save you a massive amount of time. It can make your communication so much sharper and better and productive. AI is going to be able to change how we do business and, and I said it at the Ontario Broadcasters Conference back in November that you were there when we met. And I said, AI is not going to take your job today, but someone who knows how to use AI might. And I still stand by that.
1: As you mentioned, Trey, it's a really interesting time for media, both in the U.S. and Canada. Bell here is divesting 45 of its radio stations to seven different independent owners pending regulatory approval. There was a comment made by one of the Bell executives that radio's no longer viable. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that statement,
0: Trey. Yeah, he's an idiot. Um, Was that too harsh? Can I get in trouble for saying that? In Texas, I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if I can say that in Canada, Um, but I'm in Texas, so I think I'm okay. Here's the thing. It's a medium. And what you do with it determines its value. The clients that we work with that have invested in quality programming, that have invested in quality salespeople and sales managers, that have invested in companies like CSS that help them leverage that are doing well. They're making money. I mean, radio is still a cash flow machine. Radio cash flow is better than any media out there. It is fantastic. Are the margins as good as some of these others? No, but they're still making lots of money if it's done right. Now, if you load up on a lot of debt, if you cut expenses. If you don't invest in your product, you don't invest in your marketing, you don't invest in your people. Yeah, it does suck. But guess what? That's not radio's fault. That's your fault. I want to talk about how all the volatility
1: in the media environment is impacting sales teams. Because according to the CSS report, there was a 115% increase in pessimism Although 73% of salespeople do think their company is still positioned to be competitive. Do you have thoughts on that, Trey?
0: Yeah, I think think a lot of that goes back to just the unrest in the world. Like, does anybody today feel like they have a real strong handle on what's going to happen in a year? much less three years? I don't think so. I think there's just so much up in the air. There's just such um, uncertainty. We don't have visibility. We don't feel like we're in control. And when you're not in control, you start to be pessimistic. You start to believe when the executive at Bell says it's not viable. You start to believe that radio and TV may be dying out. You start to believe, and, and I, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think that, that we still have the ability to impact our communities. I still believe that we have the ability to play a role in our, in our communities and help the people and entertain and inform and do all the things we've always done. We just have to, we just have to focus on what we do well. Radio is not going to be TikTok. Radio is not going to be Facebook or Instagram. We're not going to be a national product. What we do better than anyone else is that we are local. We are in the community. We have a connection to the people that we live with and work with and see on Main Street. And if we focus on that, if we connect with our readers, with our viewers, with our listeners, we can be very good. We can make money. We can be successful. And so I think what you're seeing is that big picture, yeah, we're a little pessimistic because we don't know what's going on. Yet when you ask about their specific companies, I think the salespeople are seeing that the smart companies, the companies that we work with, realize what they're good at and they're doubling down on that. They're investing in that. And so they see a brighter future for themselves and for their company, but they don't see a brighter future for the industry as a whole because they don't see what everyone else is doing.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to highlight from the report, Trey? You know what? You did an excellent
0: job um, going through all the things. I, I would say the the things that, that are probably the most impactful for salespeople is just how much harder their job is today. Getting an an appointment today is harder than it's ever been. In fact, 68% of salespeople say it's harder to get an appointment today than it's ever been. Salespeople are telling us that if you want to get a meeting, you've got to reach out to the same prospect more than five times to get them to respond to get an appointment. And so because of that, what I think you're seeing is that a lot of salespeople tend to avoid the new business development because it is so much harder. Getting meetings is harder. Um, Doing a needs analysis with a prospect is harder. Making proposals that you're able to close is harder. And so what we tend to do is we avoid the hard part of our job and we focus on, You know, our current clients and building relationships and growing that, which is good. And you have to do that. But the reality is, is that we're not adding new business. We will decline. And so for us to grow as an industry, we have to do more new business. We have to do the things that we don't necessarily want to do. And we have to be creative in how we do it. You know, when we ask them, what are the ways that they connect with prospects? Everybody is still using email and phone calls. Well, those are two really good tools, but there's a lot of other ways that you can connect with a prospect. You have social media, you have video, you have LinkedIn, you have, and this is scary, you could actually walk into a business and talk to someone. I mean, if I tell that to a 24-year-old Gen Z salesperson, they might have a stroke, But the reality is, is that works. And so one of the things that really came out about this report is that we have to be really creative and we have to do the things we don't want to do to be successful because that's what it's going to take just based on the survey of how hard things have gotten.
1: If you're one of those managers or you're a salesperson listening who is struggling, do you have some wisdom you can leave everyone with?
0: Yes. Um, you're only as good as your salespeople. This is obviously to sales managers. For you to be successful, you have to have the best salespeople possible on your team. And that means that your number one job sometimes is being out there and recruiting and finding good salespeople that you can bring on board. And sadly, most salespeople are sales managers only start recruiting when they have an opening, and by then it's too late. They need to be doing it all the time. They need to have a strong talent bank, a bench ready to bring people on board when there's an opportunity. And also, if you have a big talent bank, if you have people that you could hire today, it allows you to be more really kind of aggressive with holding your current salespeople accountable. That if they're not getting the job done, you're more willing to make a move and maybe replace them because you have people that are ready, willing, and able to come in and do the job. And that will make you a better manager. As for salespeople, new business, new business, new business, new business, new business. And get creative, be productive, put in several hours a day focusing on new business. If you do that, you will be a superstar and you will hit budget, you will make a lot of money and your sales manager will love you. Thank you so much for joining us, Trey. You are so welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com.
1: Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud.
0: I'm Matt Cundall, host of the Sound Off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.